Well, here we go. Uh, my name's Paul, Paul Adams. I'm the Learning and Engagement Manager at Singapore Repertory Theatre. And it is my pleasure to announce the Beyond the Stage podcast. Um, here at SRT, we have a strong ethos around learning. And in the last few years, we've really been championing arts education, um, youth development and community access and inclusion in our own little way. Um, and this podcast is here to create some conversations um, with our friends, young people, industry members, peers, whoever you might be. And um, we hope that the people that I get to meet, whether they are through our learning programs, through our creative cast crew production teams, um, whether they're people that I meet events and conferences and and through in, in engagements um, we want to have conversations with them and we invite you to listen in we invite you to share your ideas too um, collaborate if you've got some ideas about what you'd like to hear please please let me know um, and that is the ethos of this podcast creating some conversations around arts education youth development access inclusion and community um, so our first podcast oh I was a little bit nervous, I have to say, um, but I'm really thrilled that I got the chance to sit with Gemma. Uh, Gemma Gross is the director for our current little company production, Fly High. And really, we didn't want to sit and just talk about uh, directing or her role as a theatre maker. We actually wanted to sit and talk more generally about uh, learning, education, STEAM and STEM, and really position uh, the conversation around um, why we make theatre uh, with learning uh, central to that um, or at least uh, intentionally a part of that so um, I'll let Gemma do the rest of the talking um, I really enjoyed speaking with her I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation um, this is Gemma with the first Beyond the Stage podcast Thank you, Gemma, for joining us for the Beyond the Stage podcast, um, our first one. Yeah, really exciting. Um, it wouldn't be a learning podcast without an icebreaker. Okay. So I really annoyingly put an icebreaker <laughs> in the middle. So this is Truth, Truth, Lie. Truth, Truth, Lie. So you get to tell me three statements. Mm -hmm. Two are correct. One is a lie. One is a lie. And I will guess, and it can be really trivial, or you could offer your deepest, darkest thoughts. <laughs> your choice. On the spot now. Uh, okay, uh, poker face, poker face. Um, three statements about myself. Okay, I am a fencer. I am a tightrope walker. I am. I don't know why I've gone for the I am's. Um, I've just trapped myself in the I am's. So you got fencer. A fencer, tightrope walker, and. Um, I love the colour blue. They're really boring. Yeah, but now I have to work out which one. And was it because you spent longer on the last one that that's the lie? <laughs> oh, was it because <laughs> you were thinking, what else can I say? Okay, tightrope walker, fencer. I could imagine you having those skills in your... Is, is your favourite colour blue? Was that the red herring? Um, okay, I'm going to go with... I'm gonna go with the colour blue. I think your I think your favourite colour is something else. My favourite colour is actually blue. Oh I um, the lies tightrope walker. Okay. It, I don't even know why that popped into my head actually. It's something I would quite like to do. Well hats off Secret I thought I could see skills. you I could see you. <laughs> I had imagined you tightrope walker. I've just realised actually given what we do for a living, right? Like 
anyone who works in theatre or sort of the creative arts, like you can totally believe that there's some sort of weird sort of skill set happening there. Um, because sometimes you have to learn these things for a show and then... Yes, suddenly you find yourself, can you, can you do that? Oh, well, uh, I, I'll give it a go. Well, I'm going to try. And then you, you learn it just for that one particular show and then it, it goes on for your CV as a professional, right? Brilliant. So, I mean, uh, we've, I've said we've got Gemma here, but maybe Gemma, just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of who you are and what you do. Who am I? Um, I am... Oh, I, the first thing that always pops into my mind now is I'm a mum. Like, so first and foremost, I'm a mum. I've yeah. got a three and a half year old, a little girl called Poppy. Uh, but I am also a theatre maker, um, director, producer, anything that needs doing uh, <laughs> at the end of it. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. I mean, I love that you say that you're a mum because I think, you know, we spoke before this and I think, you know, you talk a lot about that, which yeah. is amazing. That's your, that's your, that's your full time. That job, is right? my, that's and everything else. Everything else is a holiday, right? Yeah. So getting to, <laughs> getting to work on a show, especially out here at the moment in Singapore, where my little one is back home in the UK, um, which is very sad and very weird. Um, but it's like the first time in ages where I'm just using my adult working brain. But I know a lot of working mums and, and theatre mums that we all, a bit more loudly, less secretly, did talk about that being the mum is the job and mm. getting to direct is playtime yeah. and holiday. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds cool. And we're, so, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're sat here, I can hear your accent, but where did you grow up? Where, where did your journey start? Is how I phrased it in my questioning. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm English, um, I'm from London, and I've always come from London. Um, I was born in a, a North London in an area called Edgeworth Stam, where you can get really specific and like, look on maps. <laughs> um, and I have spent all my, all my life in London, but I have travelled a lot. And I went to university in Brighton, which is a really, really lovely place by the beach, it's great. Although a cold beach, obviously being in the UK, <laughs> um, I lived for a year in France when I was studying um, in Bordeaux, which was gorgeous. And then I travel a lot as a director for work all around the UK and now abroad, which is nice. And I suppose, where did your journey start with the arts? Is it something as a child you was like? Are you one of those people? I mean, for me, yeah, I was a theatre brat, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, we share so. that. <laughs> we share that. I feel like I, I feel I was a bit awkward to say, oh, I've always done theatre, I've always done drama, but I was one. Of, I think my mum and dad. I mean, I always brought a bit of drama. I think to the house, yeah. in some way or another. So same for you. You kind of. I was really lucky. So I had um, parents who wanted me to do a lot of extracurricular activities. Um, I like to think it's because they wanted to give me a, an enriched childhood and more uh, and less of we just want her out of the house. <laughs> Get out of the way, Jim. Um, um, but you know, my dad was very passionate about the arts as a kid, and he's a doctor, and I think he has lived vicariously through me. Um, and I really loved ballet as a kid, but apparently I was quite loud in class, so they switched me to drama. Brilliant. <laughs> so that's where that started. I heard so, someone, someone said that the other day to me. Oh, I, can't do ballet it's too quiet <laughs> yeah. so maybe that perfect opportunity to that's pretty out. much happened, and yeah. so where did you when you were so you were starting up in youth theatres is that kind of where yeah. you got your your bug for this yeah so I, I I always loved acting and musical theatre and I did a lot of singing and a lot of dancing and I did the all in the UK there's something called the lambda exams which you take as a kid and I did yeah. all of those and um and this was all in my spare time this wasn't through my school this was um drama classes of an evening and at weekends and I would just spend all my time there and I mm -hmm. learned the piano and I was learning the guitar and and all that kind of stuff. Do you remember who the who were the people that 
you feel like pushed you or, or inspired you in that period? Was there yeah, a lot of people like, that... Oh, well, yeah, I had um, my, my teachers at that school in particular, a woman called um, Christine, who still, who, who still runs Crystal Arts. Um, and, um, and some of the people that I grew up in that drama school with are now teaching there, um, which is beautiful and I yeah. really, really love that. Um, they just made it so fun. Yeah. It was, it was a joy, like everything that you did was just joyful yeah. and I just had a really, really great time and um, the, some of the friends there, whilst we haven't all stayed in, in contact, as is the way, but you know, that early, those, that early time of drama for me gave me so much confidence in yeah. everything else I had to do at school. Yeah, I think, I mean, similarly, I mean, I always remember uh, moments in your life where someone says, you, maybe it's, you have to be sometimes lucky, but also listening for it. But I remember a teacher for me at school mm. who basically said to me, you know, I was probably 14, ready for GCSEs, and he, Mr. DeCourcy said, you need to do drama oh. next year. And I remember him pulling me specifically out yeah. of his way to one side to go, take drama next year, you, it's what you should be doing. And yeah. I, you know, it's, it's hetched into my memory then. And, yeah. and at points throughout your education, you meet these people, right? Yeah. Just sometimes don't even, you don't really always notice it at the time, yeah. but you realize they were making a considerable effort to, yeah. to push you. Yeah, I mean, well, like for me, that was more at university actually, because like I said, I had parents who were pushing me to, into drama and dance yeah. and all of that. Um, and then, when I was 17, I failed spectacularly to get into drama school. Right. And that was the real kicker for me because it's what, I was all, what I'd always done and where everyone thought I was going. Like There was no question, mm -hmm. Gemma's going to drama school. It almost wasn't even a choice for me. Right. Gemma's going to drama school, not university, she's going to drama school. And then I didn't get in. And I didn't realise at the time that if you don't get in the first time, you can't quite apply again, right? <laughs> Just um, devastated afterwards. I thought that meant I was a failure. I thought yeah. it meant I was dreadful and I wasn't talented and I shouldn't be doing it. So, and I hadn't applied to university and all my friends from school were going off to university. And so I, I took a year out mm -hmm. and, um, and did anything but act. Um, we're gonna. We, um, I find that me and Gemma could talk. We talk forever. Forever. So I will stay to the notes that I created for this podcast. Um, but one of the questions that I wanted to talk to you about, which I think will will lead us through anyway, is what kind of learner are you? Because I think you know <laughs> one of the themes for this 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 conversation is we're going to be talking a little bit about STEM and STEAM yeah. and how the arts and science and technology are, are being weaved together. But I think it's interesting just to maybe. Could we hear about what kind of learning? I mean, not yes, I that may have yeah. changed, right? I mean, we were changed. constantly learning, but mm. how, how was you when you maybe you was a little younger and, and has that now changed as you've uh, moved into professional careers? Well, I, I have discovered only recently through learning about it myself, so the whole growth mindset, fit, fixed mindset um, yeah. philosophy, um, that I am and was very much growing up as a kid, a fixed mindset learner, mm -hmm. which was, um, either I'm naturally very good at something or I shouldn't bother doing it. Okay. That, that like in the broadest terms, that's kind of fixed mindset. So that you're naturally good at something. Mm -hmm. And I can look back now over school and I worked really, I mean, I was, I'm a hard worker, like nothing, I don't feel like anything came easy to me. Right. I think other people meeting up with some school friends recently, I think they thought I was having it very easy. Um, but I know I was really, slogging my guts out yep. to try and maintain grades and mm -hmm. maintain the pressures of, of all of that um, but because I had been because I took for example so easily to drama and, and to the arts um, that was the perceived 
idea that that's what I should be heading and what I should be doing and therefore science or anything else I shouldn't really bother you know just do enough to pass yeah but I also then thought I was bad at it and so I then didn't really I just did enough to pass and just to make sure that you know I got good bees or, or, or things like that yeah. right um, and I look back and I realize I really enjoyed sciences mm-hmm. like I really loved it and okay I didn't have a natural aptitude for it but I don't know how much of that was not having a natural aptitude or just being told that I was the drama one yeah right yeah and we like to stereotype and label our kids and actually so now my new understanding of growth mindset and when this was given to me as a book and Rachel Barnett Jones who's the writer of the play was the fun who first introduced me to growth mindset I was just like oh my word like I wish I'd known about this (laughs) years ago yeah this idea that actually of course our brains are this extraordinary things of course we can keep learning of course we can master something just takes time and effort right yeah absolutely I mean I I said to you earlier I've just come to it in you know Mm. I feel like when I read about growth mindset and just this idea of the possibilities of change and development Mm. I felt like it's maybe always been with me yeah but I've never quite been able to put it anywhere and I think that more recently and and we're going to talk about the 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 play (laughs) that you're here to direct uh, uh, SRT but you know that this, the themes of that story are all about that idea of, yes, yeah. you know, we'll just keep trying, right? We'll just keep trying, know, Things try, will change, things try will come. Again. Yeah. And it's the, the thing that really blew my mind, and I, I don't know who came up with it, but um, again, Rachel was the one who taught it to me, this idea that fail just means first attempt in learning. Yeah. And yeah. that you should fail, and then you should fail again, and you should fail again, and fail harder. And, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, I just wish I had grown up with that idea. Yeah, and I know that when we put this podcast out, there'll be people listening to that in Singapore and that idea of failure, mm. you know, I mean, wherever you are in the world, it's a big thing. But I know, uh, knowing my colleagues and the people I work with here, that's a really difficult thing to get your yeah. head around because the idea of failure is mm. is something you certainly don't celebrate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's certainly something I wouldn't have celebrated yep. in, in previous years. And also, yeah, you know, keep that away. No one needs yeah. to see but that. then, right, this idea of failing is what scientists do. That's, that is actually what experiments are. The experiments are about yeah. figuring out what doesn't work, what's going wrong. It, it goes wrong, so you try something else. You shift the data, you mix your chemicals differently. You, you know, so scientists are used to failing all the time. And it's, and it's not this big thing. It's, oh, so that's not the outcome we wanted, so now we need to look for the next way to get the next outcome. Yeah. It's it's just an entirely different way of working. Absolutely. Um, and I think that when you start to think of things like that, I mean, I, I always talk about, particularly science and, and art, the idea of curiosity, right? Yes. That is, you know, it weaves beautifully. So I think we should move on. <laughs> we should move on because I think people will want to know Fly High. Yeah. So maybe just give us a little bit of a, you know, you're here at SRT to direct Fly High. Yes. Maybe tell us about Fly High. What, what's the story? So Fly High is a new children's musical. Yeah, I, can, I think I can call it a musical. It's got yeah. a lot of songs in it. Beautiful um, music. Yeah. <laughs> that is about aerodynamics and friendship. So two lonely, slightly frustrated with their lives, strangers meet one day at lunchtime, uh, slightly annoy each other, as adults are wont to do. Um, more often than not, and um, and then bit by bit, slowly by slowly, discover that they're both very passionate about flying, and as you do, um, attempt to create their own flying machine. Yeah. Fail lots of times <laughs> uh, in doing it, which is very funny, and yeah. then manage it and yeah. fly off to have adventures together. 
Yeah, it's a, it's. I mean, I've been lucky enough, to obviously, to have read the script yeah. and also been in the read through, but I've not seen what you've done yet in rehearsals. Um, but it's a beautiful story of, and a very simple story, but of these two people mm. just working something out together. Yeah, and that relationship's very strong between between Mo and Poppy, those yes. two characters. Um, I think why you know inside this story, there's a lot of you know the growth mindset. Yeah. This this idea of I think it's this you can't do it. Yet I, can't can't, I just yet. can't do that yet. Yes. Kind of uh, theme, but why? What are the other learning points that we can see in Fly High? What, you know, is it important to you when you're? Because I know you've been part of the, you know, from the inception of this idea yes. right yeah. through to directing it. Is it important that you're making theatre to have very clear learning points, or are you trying to tell a, you know, a damn good story, and, <laughs> and, and the learning comes out? You know, where, where do you start with that? Well, I mean, this particular one, um, the idea was given to me by my niece years and years and years ago. Like, she was like, Auntie, why isn't there a children's musical about flying? I was like, I don't know, actually. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> idea. Um, and it's just, it's taken a long time to get all the right sort of creators together to sort of do it, as these things do. Um, Rachel and I, we discovered when I pitched, when I asked her if she wanted to help me write this and, and do it, um, we both discovered that we're very geeky about flying. Um, and we absolutely love it. And yes, like I think theatre. I've gone off question slightly. So I think I think why can't it do all of that? So it's an it's an entertaining, captivating story. Yeah. But absolutely, let's get some knowledge out there as well. Yeah. And part of though, it's not been a we want to tick boxes and this is going to make you know schools happy, right, or things like that. It's come from a place where Rachel and I, as mums, like to try and discuss things with our kids. Yeah. And whenever there's a big topic, and like, how am I going to explain that to Poppy? Mm -hmm. Which is all we do as parents, right, constantly, is we get the why. Why? Why is the sky blue, mummy? Why do things fly, mummy? And I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. Well, the joy about making a show like this is you get to figure it out. You get yeah. to go away and learn for yourself how it works. And then you have to try and come up with a way that is going to be... Uh, captured you're going to capture the imagination of a three-year-old or maybe an older kid because Rachel's little boy is six yeah um that not only is it going to interest them but they're going to retain that information yeah I mean because I know that there'll be creatives that will listen and it's always that interesting conversation and as an education manager learning manager myself we're always you know I I dig through shows you know <laughs> to find these learning points because we know that yeah. if you can create a bit of a a scheme of work for schools yeah it's really helpful to you know embellish their visit absolutely to, to official. And, yeah. and historically we've been doing that in, yeah. in the theater industry but i also think that there is more and more of a change now to this more intentional considered yes. approach to creating conversation around the, the ideas of learning yes so it's not so it feels like something like fly high it's not so not so you don't pointed, have to dig right? through right yeah, yeah. to, to find it, the learning points. Yeah, it's there. It's very clear, but it makes it subtle. makes sense, right, to mm. the to the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. And I think that's what we're starting to see with particularly children's theatre. Yeah. That, that, that there's a there's a more yeah subtlety to it, more intentionality about yeah. why we're doing that, yeah. uh, as opposed to you know let's put on a show and and maybe we'll dig something out. Of yeah, it. maybe we'll, we'll try and figure out what that learning point is to sell it, right? Yeah. Um, I think also as well though that um, what's really important is Rachel and I have both been practitioners for a really, really long time. And then, um, I mean, I, I still consider myself a new mum because, like, she's only three and a half. Yeah. And everything I choose to make as a director is always, it's selfish, right? It's what I'm interested in. It's what I, it's for a particular audience that I want to try and engage and reach. And so yeah. all of a sudden I'm 
and it's come about from my three-year-old sort of always being dragged into what over the last three years being dragged into whatever project I'm working on which a lot of the time has not been age appropriate for her right and so all of a sudden I was like I want to make something that is for her that yeah. I can discuss with her um and it's also because I keep having to navigate big topics with her quite early and so Rach and I with Fly High Stories which is our company that's what we want to make. We want to make shows that help parents navigate big topics with kids. And that big topic might be, in the case of Fly High, aerodynamics and mm -hmm. growth mindset. Yeah. Um, future shows that we're working on are um, in, going to be about the environment. Um, that we're, There's another show we're working on at the moment that is, is all about environment and sustainability. Right. Um, there's another one that I want to do, which is um, going to be about homelessness and how do you right. have that conversation with your kids about homelessness. Yeah. And the idea isn't that as a parent you come to one of our shows and it's, it's two people on stage going, right mums and dads, so this is how you do it. <laughs> yeah. It's hopefully because the topic comes up with the play in a way that a that age group can understand mm -hmm. it will hopefully give parents or whichever grown-up is with that kid yeah. the the tools they need to continue that conversation at home yeah. and continue that conversation and the exploration of that topic at home yeah i mean we you know part of what we wanted to talk about you today is this is the old steam yeah. agenda and mm -hmm. we are you know we're using that in quite the broadest sense i, yeah. I suppose but you know, um, now, so should we just have a go at this? <laughs> what is Let's steam? have a go. What is STEAM? Because I know that there'll be educators and people listening and, and parents and, and young people that might be, you know, never heard of it. STEAM is, you know, yeah, it yeah. comes out of maybe yeah. those old trains when the steam used to fly out the top, you know, <laughs> you know, because that's what people's relationship yeah. to that word is. But what, yeah. what is STEAM? Have a go, Gemma. What, like, so it comes from STEM, isn't it? And I, I keep trying to figure out what those letters represent against it. Science, technology, maths, but I can't remember what engineering. Engineering. So it's science technology engineering and math, math is stem which then, is i think everyone listening will go oh, oh stem, stem right? because it's the thing that the education uh, you know education is co co constantly geared to now yes, because yeah. they are the areas that we see as huge developments for the future yes. coding maths you know robotics yeah. understanding that kind of how we build Feel, things yeah, yeah, all yeah of it. really important um and then so so literally steam you add in the a which is arts yeah yeah, so that's Simple like the really that. simplest way. But a lot of people do go, what do you mean arts and science? Yeah. And it's, well, actually, you can't have one without the other. Like mm. the greatest mathematicians, um, the greatest engineers, they all talk about, um, I just like to say this podcast, I really can't remember anything uh, about the guy who did it, but this yeah. idea of complex numbers and imaginative numbers. Yeah. And you need, there's a, the more advanced mathematics you go into, you need to have huge pools of imagination for it. Yeah. Um, but our brains the way they're actually geared up is that one skill offsets the other mm -hmm. so learning music really helps with mathematics yeah you know doing art really helps with the science because it's just opening up a different part of your brain yeah. which then allows the other part of the brain oh my god my dad's a consultant neurologist right and he'd be listening to this going god you're simplifying <laughs> complex That's topic good. there we should totally simplify um, but it is it's just this idea that the way the brain learns is uh, not in just one singular linear pattern mm -hmm. and that all these different skills are transferable and open up yeah. imaginative thinking yeah. and I don't think you can name a single job out there which doesn't require the employee or practitioner or whoever's working in that field 
to use their imagination at some point. Absolutely. Right? So. Yeah, and I think it's exactly why, you know, SRT in the learning work, that's mm. exactly why we're championing arts education in this very holistic way. Mm-hmm. The idea is that it's not just, you know, we love, I love art, we're, we're theatre kids, right? <laughs> arts for arts is fantastic. Yeah. You know, I love training, I love training to be an actor when I was yeah. younger and I, we now have programmes where we train young actors. Yeah. But what we more and more, you know, more and more of what we're doing is going into the schools, yeah. teaching maths, history, science, particularly in the preschool and lower primary space, through dance, yeah. drama, music, because the connection of what that does with the brain and how mm. that en- enhances that kind of that learning for them. And also, I mean, we shouldn't forget the, the fun factor of the STEAM, fun. right? Yeah. If you're putting arts inside the way you conduct your class, the yes. way you present your school, your centre, yeah. if the arts becomes something that's part of the culture, it's, yes. it, it's woven in. Yeah. And we've seen that in Singapore, there's huge positive changes that mm. happens in the mindset of teachers, yeah. principals and students. And so I'm always for, that's not to say that other subjects aren't fun, but arts is certainly a way to inject some yeah. fun and, 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 and energy mm. inside a subject. But sometimes that's been the problem, right? So arts is seen as fun. Yes. It's, it's seen as fun, it's seen as trivial, it's not, you know, there's that big old joke, oh, you know, my son or daughter's off doing a philosophy degree, like what job are they going to get? Like yeah. at the end of that, right? Yeah. Um, or they're studying art, like that's going to lead into waitressing. Like it's, yeah. you know, yeah, there's, there's a stigma. There's, there's a stigma. Yeah. But actually, not everybody a learns in the same way, um, and sometimes finding that other way to connect a child in the classroom to a particular subject through maybe through using art or movement or dance keeps them interested in the subject at that time. Yeah. Helps their understanding of it keeps them involved in learning, wanting to learn more about that subject as they get older. And, and actually, we need a greater provision mm-hmm. for keeping people and kids in science and maths, right? We do not have enough mathematicians coming out into the world um, for the way that the world is developing in terms of, like, we just talked about coding and, and everything yeah. else. So we actually have to adapt the way we're teaching mm-hmm. because not I struggled with just sitting at a desk and listening to my teacher reading a book, learning facts and writing an exam. Like, I do not do well in an exam scenario. I don't know many people who do. And even if you do do well in an exam scenario, I don't know what career is out there where you are ever (laughs) put in that scenario again, right? You're often presenting or talking or it's research and then maybe delivering a presentation to a client or, you know... So I, I do think there's there's a real need in, in education worldwide actually to sort of start thinking about not everybody learns in the same way. Absolutely. I remember once actually just a very quick side story. I once went to an interview where I was given this very tiny amount of time to design something and, and sit at a computer and I'd almost given up by the second it was presented to me uh, because suddenly my brain shut down. And yeah. I and I look back afterwards, and uh, I wasn't I wasn't successful at that in that interview, but um, that's okay because I look back afterwards and I thought, ah, oh, my brain just shut off because mm. the second I was confined to a time, yeah, I was li- and and I was literally timed. Mm. Um, I had to work in a very specific form in a mm. very specific way, under a certain amount of observation. It was an exam, right? And yeah. suddenly my brain just went, yeah. you know, it, it shut down. And so I think it is interesting that this idea that. Oh, we all learn so differently and I asked you earlier about what kind of learning you were and I think sometimes the, the, the traditional way of teaching that you know we maybe refer to as being a more industrialized way of teaching yeah. just doesn't fit everybody yeah. and, and you know and when we see some learners in 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 the programs we, we work for learning we, we run for learning we always almost always the child that's not engaged hardly ever 
suddenly is engaged. You hear that all the time, right? You hear it all the time, and I see it all the time, and people think, yeah, I think something's magic of some sort, but... Yeah, they're like, oh my God, I can never get them engaged. And you're like, oh, that's because they're your, they're your out-of-the-box thinker, right? Yeah. They're the future Steve Jobs, yeah. normally. They're not, and, that, and I mean, he doesn't run Apple, like, in the way, you know, no one sits at a desk. Yeah. Um, doing that because that's just not how we we work best, right? Yeah. Why are we not running our schools like this? <laughs> there we go. I mean, so I think we've tried to answer steam <laughs> for you bit. there a little bit, but I think really it's about this relationship and collaboration. It's yes. about you know, it's it's about thinking across rather yeah. than so. But and it's also just a reminder that like, because again, this whole what 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 can you maybe get from drama? Major transferable skills like your kids doing drama are going to learn to be public speakers. They're yeah. going to learn to hold confidence talking to anyone in a room. They're gonna learn empathy. They're gonna understand language. They're gonna understand how to take direction yeah. as well as maybe give direction. How is that not transferable into any job, right? Absolutely. Put your kids in drama. Yeah, I mean, I'm, <laughs> we're, we're preaching to each other in this room at KC Art Center. It's nice, yeah. like in the bubble. Right? <laughs> yeah. In our little bubble, but we know it works, we see it works. And I think something like fly high, I mean, I mean just to kind of close that conversation, mm you know bringing making a piece of theater with with this inside it why is that why is that is that the best way of doing this why is it an important way of doing it for you arts and learning and theater you know well it, it, it's so completely selfish in the case of this particular that's absolutely um, fine <laughs> in that i've always just liked this idea okay and then wanting to make something for my kid yeah. but then also wanting to make something that um I like I love science. Like I genuinely love it, and I just as a kid didn't get it. Yeah. Found it very difficult at the time, and again, like I said, was in this sort of fixed mindset, um, and that's how my school was. That you either did arts or you did the sciences. You went, you didn't like the two never met, um, and I really love learning about it now, but it is. I also just really like the. I do. I do think art should do something. I don't like making art for art's sake. Mm -hmm. um, I think that for me, this is quite controversial. I think it's quite a selfish way of thinking. Art for art's sake. Yeah. I think there is too much going on in the world right now that is fairly negative and very complex. And f fly high is about getting content out there, it's about improving knowledge, it's about getting kids excited about learning, yeah. that you can learn about anything, that you don't have to limit yourself, and if you get really young, interested in things, and understanding that it's that learning is fun, even and actually if it's hard, it's great, yeah. um, and failure just is um, figuring out what we don't know and how exciting that we don't know that, let's go and find out what that is. Yeah. And then it's getting to work in a way that I really enjoy working. Um, and also, it's because I've started going to see a lot more. I've always enjoyed children's theatre and I have nieces and nephews and I've taken them over the years. Yeah. But obviously I'm going to a lot more now that I'm a mum. And it's also about going to see stuff that, for a parent, I just don't want to fall asleep to. <laughs> you know, I want to make something that actually grown-ups are going to... Any grown-up that's being forced to see that thing as well can also find it really enjoyable and go, oh yeah, that's that's funny, that's great. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I always think that we sometimes think, you know, this the fly hive is a really good example. We're learning about flight, how things fly. Yeah. And now there's not there's nothing to say that every adult 
understand no. how things fly, right? As yeah. we've discovered in our rehearsal room, when we were like, right, well, if we're if we're going to be doing this in the show, we've really got to understand the principles ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, that yeah. was a very funny day. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> wait a minute, what? That's how that works? You know, we got to this age and didn't know. Yeah. We've, you know, how many flights have we taken around yeah. the world, some of us, and we're like, oh, that's how it does it? Because, I mean, I still watch them take off those planes on the runway and go, Wow. I just don't understand, man. What, what is going on there? <laughs> so can you imagine what our four-year-olds are thinking? Yeah. You know, they probably know more, actually, far more than, than I do, actually. <laughs> um, but it, so um, I, I think it's, you know, we, we're coming towards the end of our conversations, but um, I just want to go back a little bit in terms of, you know, you are here in Singapore. Mm -hmm. You've had a career that's spanned, you know, a certain amount of years. Yeah. What kind of tips have you picked up along the way you know one or two things that might be interesting for someone listening who might be pursuing either a career in arts education or in theatre making is there anything you could share what's worked for you I suppose or what what resonates for you um talk to people get advice um if you're if you think you want to work in the arts but you're not sure um what you want to do in the arts try everything mm -hmm. Um, really, really try everything, and there are programs now to do that, which just that weren't available when I was younger. Yeah. Like I said, like I sort of fell into directing because someone threw a play at me and told me to do it. Um, but I haven't consistently directed all that time, which is a whole other podcast, right? On poor wages and the difficulty <laughs> of you know paying the bills yeah, and the outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it was also because. I was then, I was hesitant, like, am I a director? Like, this is, it's one thing doing at university, but yeah. what's the career out of it? So I've worked as a stage manager, I've um, worked in arts administration and, and management and, and done a variety of, of other things. And if you think, I think the one with the piece of advice, like I was talking to an actor about this here only the other evening, I think I'd go back and say, people are really happy to meet and give you advice and meet you for a coffee. So, which I didn't get when I was younger, right? You can't call someone up and go give me a job. Yeah. Because they probably haven't got one to give you. Mm -hmm. But you can absolutely call someone up who you've come into contact with or you've seen a show of theirs or you've been in their building. And it's really easy to go on a website and again, Google stalk in a way that just wasn't available when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and connect to that person and email them. And if you're emailing them or calling them and just saying, look, I think I might want to do what you do for a living. Could I come... And just, you, you, you'll need to eat at some point during the day, right? Could I come and have lunch with you? Could I come and take you for coffee? Yeah. And just find out about how I could potentially do what you do. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever had anyone say no. And I've certainly never said anyone, never said no to anyone who's asked me. Yeah, yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, I preach that a lot, you know. Yeah. Mate, there's nothing wrong with just dropping that email and saying, yeah. hey, can I get on your radar? Can I come and... Particularly, I mean, you, you talked earlier, you, you were engaged in youth theatre, right? Mm. And we have, you know, there is many youth theatre arts programmes around Singapore. Yeah. I think if you are wanting to join them or you are part of them, you know, think about every opportunity they offer. Yeah. I often think that we have a young company which has been mm. running many, many years. And I say to those guys, you're not just in a class every Saturday. You're part of Singapore Refugee Theatre. Yes. There is yeah. a marketing manager. Do you, want to, do you want to learn about marketing? Yeah. There's a producer, mm. you know, there's a finance manager. Maybe that's something you're interested in. You know, how do you soak up the contacts that you're making and how do you just professionally and politely just dig a little bit deeper to get yeah. there? And yeah. I think it's such an important... It really is. And then if you're someone who's like never been in the sort of the youth theatre world, but you're like, oh, I think I'd like to go that way. I'd like to go into theatre. It can then feel like, well, how do I 
without those contacts, how can I do that? Well, like it's the same, it, it's still the same. Just look at those websites, look at those emails and say, you know, I think this is something I'd like to do and I'm yeah. coming out of school and I'm thinking that, or I'm at uni and I'm thinking that, like, can I just come and talk to you? Thank you, Gemma. So <laughs> we started this with a, a true truth lie <laughs> and we found out that your circus skills are not so up to scratch. No, I need to work to, on that. Yeah, yeah, gonna, so next time that. I see you on <laughs> tightrope walking. Um, but I have one final question and we'll see how you feel about answering this. Okay. And, I, and maybe I feel like I'm getting to know you a little bit. So maybe I, I, we might be all knowing the answer here. But I like this idea and we get told, we get asked this occasionally. If you could go back yeah. and talk to your younger self, <laughs> what would you whisper in their ear? Would, would you want to? You can say no, but if you could, would you say something? Failing is great. It's okay to fail. Yeah, I really, really wish I, I had hit that as a kid. I was so nervous of failing that it restricted me. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect way to say thank you, Gemma. <laughs> thank you. I've loved just chatting here. <laughs> uh, we should do this again. Definitely. Um, best of luck with Fly High. Um, and I know that this Fly High has a life beyond Singapore. Yeah, and it's we're touring really on the UK. Yeah. yeah, we're really excited about that. So we'll, we'll drop some details uh, in the links for the podcast so they can people can check it out. Thank you. Thank you. So there you go. The first podcast for Beyond the Stage, part of the SRT Learning and Engagement Programme. A big thank you for Gemma's time. Um, the podcast was recorded at KC Art Centre and it was produced by the learning and engagement team presented by paul adams and featuring Gemma grass and please stay tuned we hope to send you the next podcast uh, over each month uh, with a new edition with a new practitioner new creative new person in the room um, let's see if we can find out some interesting things in our next game of truth to fly uh, thank you for listening and please share comment and get in touch.